As the 2012 Phases of Fraud survey ended, the global payments data breach broke. How does this incident impact how financial institutions are facing fraud in 2012? Hi, this is Tom Field, Editorial Director with Information Security Media Group. In an excerpt of webinar analysis from the Faces of Fraud 2012 survey webinar, I have Matthew Spear of M&T Bank and George Tubin of GT Advisors talking about the global payments breach and its impact, and they also talk about how financial institutions in 2012 have extra resources to spend on anti-fraud solutions. Let's hear from Matt and George as we talk about global payments and the Faces of Fraud survey. Well, gentlemen, we're talking about the Faces of Fraud today, and we're in the face of a new fraud incident, the global payments processor breach has occurred recently, and we're hearing estimates from it affecting anywhere from 1.5 million cards to as many as 10 million accounts. So Matt, I'd like to ask you up front, when you see an incident like this in a payment processor, it's not at a bank, but what is the incident impact on a bank? Well, certainly, you know, from uh, our standpoint is that you, you need to immediately start going to those CAMS alerts that you're going to receive and to understand what's the impact on your portfolio of cards that you have issued and then start monitoring for fraud. So the sooner you get your arms around it and you get the information from Visa or MasterCard um, as to which ones are suspect, then you can um, you know, work it through your process of how you're going to monitor for the fraud. At what point are you going to do any kind of card issuance? or reissuance, excuse me, and, um, you know, then it always comes to the tricky part of, you know, is it big enough? I mean, it really depends upon how many cards have been impacted that you should do any kind of customer notification. And, you know, that's uh, that's somewhat in the balance, and you, you want to be transparent with your customers, but at the same time, many of these cards will not suffer any, um, you know, fraud against them, and uh, just by how you know, the uh, uh, the kind of odds are slightly against them uh, having a fraud, but you have to be proactive in the monitoring around it. Matt, what's an institution looking at for expense in responding to an incident like this? Just, just what are the, the types of areas that are going to run you up money? Well, certainly that, you know, you, you do have some regulatory costs about, you know, the, the limit on potential um uh, liability of the customer, and so uh, you know, somewhat making them whole on that, and that that has a variable cost to it, um, and uh, you can't be as predictive there. But certainly, by going down uh, the route of you know, what is the cost of customer notification? Um, is it large enough that you need to stand up uh, a special one eight hundred number uh, versus these going into your normal telephonic? Um, banking centers and customer service reps. Um, there is a cost of getting, uh, you know, training out to the field. So, you know, the tellers and branch managers that are out there in front of the customers every day. Um, and then also, uh, you know, once, once you do have fraud that, uh, is appearing to occur on those cards, the cost of card re- reissuance and, you know, generally, uh, that you are going to want to provide them with some kind of uh, fraud monitoring service uh, for, you know, typically what we see is, you know, banks do that for about a year. 
and so there's this cost too. That and so all in, you know, it's in the area of somewhere about $190 um, per customer that you'll end up spending. Some of it's variable, some of it you can be more predictive about. So, George, I'd like to get your take on this as well. What do you see as the impact of this global payments breach on financial institutions? And when we're talking about the faces of fraud, what does it really say about the state of fraud and security today? Well, you know, it's, it's always disappointing when, when we see a major breach like this, and we always feel that, you know, something should have been done, and something could have been done if, you know, if, if, if the company attacked knew exactly how the breach was going to happen. But the one thing we know is that fraud's not going to go away. You know, we're always going to have fraud, and the fraudsters are always going to find new ways to attack and to get in. Um, I think in this case, it, it, I mean, so far all the information, you know, isn't in yet uh, from global payments, but but it seems like they did about all that could be expected of them. They identified the fraud very quickly They identified and shut it down, and they identified the accounts um, that were breached. And you know, when you think about layered security, uh, you know, we try to pr- protect the perimeter so the bad guys can't get in. But you have to, uh, you know, sort of realize that bad guys will get in. And now you need systems behind that, other layers, to identify when something does happen. And it seems like that's that's what was in place for global payments, and, and, and they did catch it. Um, you know, should their perimeter security have been better so that so that this breach didn't happen? I think once we get the details of that exactly how it did happen, we may find that yes, you know, there was something that that they weren't doing that they should have been doing. But um, on, on the other side, it seems like they did catch it and shut it down pretty quickly. The other uh, thing I think it says though is, you know, if you look at PCI and PCI requirements. And, and, you know, this, this is yet to come out too, is, you know, is, is what happened due to the fact that global payments really wasn't up to snuff and, and they weren't com- completely complying with the PCI requirements or, you know, the PCI requirements written in such a way that it somehow creates, um, uh, uh, you know, vulnerabilities and, and doesn't really cover all the bases. So, you know, there's a lot that yet, you know, remains to be seen on this one. Now, George, did Matt's estimate of how much this costs per customer to uh, to go through the monitoring and replacement and, and, and all the activity sound spot on to you? Yeah, it sounds about right. I, I've seen, you know, of course, uh, Matt knows uh, the numbers for, for M&T uh, <laughs> better than I do, I hope. But but that's sort of the numbers that I've seen out there around that, you know, 200 to 250 per customer. And again, depending upon how many. Um, were breached. That seems to be about the right ballpark figure. So I'm glad we're talking about money now because one of the things that jumped out to me was about budgets. We were seeing in these results the greatest jump in available fraud resources to financial institutions that we've seen in all the years that we've been surveying banks. You know, last year we saw a 34% increase and we were happy. This year we're seeing 58%. Uh, Matt, I'd like to talk with you about this a little bit. First of all, I'll ask you, are you seeing the 58%? And second, what do you do with it? Well, I can tell you that no, we're certainly not seeing a, a 50% increase in uh, the budgeting and resources around fraud efforts. Um, uh, a couple of drivers that I think may have played into that number, because that number is actually surprisingly high, is that you know many many financial institutions, as we entered into the economic um, uh, issues in 2008, uh, did a lot of expense reduction, uh, and so it could be some plain catch-up uh, because you can only defer 
you know, certain uh, type of solutions, uh, you know, for so long, and then you have to deal with it. And certainly there's been some changes in the regulatory and compliance guidance that's out there that are uh, encouraging banks to spend to use new solutions uh, as well. And then there's there has been, you know, kind of a whole class of uh, anti-fraud solutions that um, are you know, uh, technology that allows you to do multi-channel, uh, fraud detection and prevention, uh, efforts that, um, certainly we've seen a, a rapid increase in spending by, you know, ourselves and, and a lot of peers that are going to help, you know, make that number jump up some as well. Matt, what do you see in the way of security metrics? In other words, what do executives like yourself have to do to sort of demonstrate that you're using these increased resources wisely? Well, certainly, uh, it, it all comes down to, especially when you are a bank, it comes down to, you know, dollars and cents. So, you know, for us, the, the, the key metrics are, you know, what type of frauds are we seeing? So what's the, the total possibility of fraud losses and then fraud loss versus fraud avoidance? Uh, and certainly that We've seen, um, you know, over the years, while the, the fraudsters are always kind of pushing the envelope for, um, you know, new techniques that certainly we see that uh, we, we tend to be faster in being able to detect them and then put changes in processes as well as technology solutions uh, to mitigate them. So while they're still being attempted, um, you're widening the gap between how much money they try to get out of your institution versus how much you actually lose. And, George, I'd love your take on this. What jumps out at you when you look at this huge increase in available resources for organizations? Is it so much of this coming from the, the FFIEC guidance, or do you see some other signs there? Yeah, no, I, I, I think Matt's right on. I think that, you know, I, I've always, you know, back when I was an analyst, and I had a lot of uh, vendor clients, technology vendor clients in the security space, you know, I, I always told them that you know, regulation drives spending and get in the way of the money. Um, you know, for, for a technology vendor, because banks have to spend. It's you know, it's it's not like a typical project where you're you know you're, you're in doing an extensive business case and it's taking forever. You know, within the organization to get justification for the spend. And, you know, that still happens, but you know, you're in a situation where the regulators are telling you you have to do something and you have to make improvements and. Therefore, the bank has to spend some money on technology. So, so I, I, I think that's probably the primary driver, um, along with you know what Matt was saying that you know budgets have been cut and you know, the banks do have such a far way to come um, to get up to snuff to where the regulators want them to be. Um, and then you know, there is the point that Matt made too. And the, the larger banks, we see a lot of banks uh, working on very large-scale enterprise fraud prevention uh, platforms. That include you know cross-channel uh, fraud detection and you know, uh, enterprise case management systems and response capabilities. So it, you know there's certainly a lot of areas that, that spending does need to happen. But I, I would expect the prime the primary driver is this um, much-needed uh, supplement to the authentication guidance. And that wraps up this excerpt of the Faces of Fraud survey analysis. To hear the full analysis please go to the webinar landing page and register for the next session. Also, stay tuned for our Faces of Fraud survey report. For Information Security Media Group, I'm Tom Field. Thank you very much.